you know, what you see out there are skinny, muscular people riding these bicycles. I, the first time I ever saw a person who looked like me in an ad was actually for Lane Bryant. Um, they kind of do this like real women series for their active line. And there was this badass mount- woman on a mountain bike. And I took a picture of it and I tweeted it um, to Lane Bryant. And they actually reached out and they were like, hey, we really appreciate that you appreciate this. And I was like, yes, like representation matters. Hey, what's up? This is Kat. Welcome to the Joyride. Hey, what's up, Joyriders? This is Kat, and you're listening to episode number 38 of the Joyride podcast, where we celebrate women on bikes. Why? Because I believe in the transformative power of the bike in our personal lives, our communities, and the world at large. The Joyride is a listener-supported podcast, so if you like what we're doing here, please head over to thejoyridepodcast.com forward slash support and learn how you can join the Joyride Nation. On this episode of The Joyride, I chat with adventurer, blogger, and self-professed fat woman on a bike, Marley Blonsky. We'll learn about Marley's evolution into being the bike camping badass that she is, her favorite spots for a quick overnight near Seattle, love of gravel riding, key bike snacks, and what it's like to choose biking for fun instead of weight loss in a world and sport that tells you lighter is better. Marley is one of the presenters at Stoked Spoke, so if you're in the Seattle area, make sure you check that out and give her a high five for me. Oh, and um, we dropped the F-bomb more than once on this recording because it was just that great of a conversation. So if you've got kiddos around, you might want to grab some earmuffs for them. All right, folks, we're going to jump right into it because we've got a lot of ground to cover here. Do make sure you check out the show notes at thejoyridepodcast.com forward slash 038. I referenced something in the very beginning of this um, interview with Marley. It's a a Taoist proverb, and uh, there's a great video in the show notes, so I do urge you to check that out. All right, without further ado, let's get into it. Let's meet Marley Blonsky. Marley Blonsky, welcome to the Joyride. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on. It's it's a pleasure to be here, wherever in the world you are. Where where are you right now? I'm in Seattle. Um, supposed to be in Portland with you live, but the weather and I got a new job today, um, and they want me to work tomorrow, so I'm not in Portland right now. I think that you know what? Who's to say what is good and what is bad? Um, I'm going <laughs> to, we just talked about that and I'll, I'm going to post up something for, for folks to check out in the show notes. Um, but congrats on the new job. That's super cool. Thank you. And um, yeah, we've had some, some weather here the past couple days. So it's very interesting times to be in the PNW. We thought we were getting out of winter, started to seem like spring was around the corner and then we got kind of socked with some cold. Yeah. I, so the, the shop, I'm working at a bike shop for basically the first time in my life, and they specialize in electric bikes, and they gave me one to ride home today, which was fun. I had ridden my own bike in, um, but it was cold. Like, I don't normally go 20 miles an hour, and here I am going 20 miles an hour, and like, oh my God, it's cold. So Yeah, that gets pretty brisk. Yeah, and it was snowing, so that was kind of fun. Um, <laughs> Marley, where did you learn how to ride a bike? Um in one of my friend's front yards, I think. So I had, I have an older sister, she's two years older than me, and I don't even know how old I was, like probably four or five when I learned how to ride a bike. And I just remember my dad pushing me and going, um, but I grew up in Texas. So we were always riding bikes and playing cops and robbers. And like, we used to ride our bikes to school. It's just always been a part of my life, I think. Until, I'd say middle school, um, just kind of stopped riding, I don't know. I don't really have a good reason for it. And then um, picked it up again probably five years ago. Um, I was married. I got divorced and got rid of my car. So it's like, I want to ride a bike. Um, Do you, like, can you bring me back into that moment of, like, I'm going to get rid of my car and ride a bike? Do you remember, like, where, like, what brought that on? Yeah. So I was living in West Seattle with my ex-wife. And we used a car for everything. Our lives were kind of isolated over there. 
And then after we split up, I moved to Capitol Hill, which for people familiar with Seattle, Capitol Hill is a very um, dense part of the city. So there's not a lot of parking. So I found that, um, you know, having the car, parking it was a pain in the ass. Uh, I never drove anywhere. Um, so it was just like, I don't need this. I can either walk to work, I can maybe ride a bike to work, or I can bus. And at that point, biking was like this. I saw people do it, but it wasn't a familiar thing to me, bike, riding a bike as an adult. But I had a friend who worked in a bike shop. So I was like, hey, Ian, I want to do this. And he um, kind of walked me through the steps of finding a bicycle and how to do it. And um, the rest is kind of history. So... How did you move into discovering bike overnights and adventure cycling from there? Yeah, that's a that's a great question because I had just been commuting, you know, a mile and a half back and forth to work. And I look at that now and I'm like, oh, man, I, I had it good. Uh, <laughs> now is... my commute is like five miles each way, which isn't bad either um, compared to most people. But I had started riding with a group of people and um, they're a local bike club here in Seattle. And there was a, like a Mother's Day camp out basically um, where we were gonna go like 50 or 60 miles each way. And I was like, oh yeah, I can totally do that. But I had never ridden a bike loaded. I'd never gone bike camping before, um, but I did it. And I packed way too much stuff. Oh my God, I look at that bicycle, photo of the bicycle. I'm like, holy shit, I took so much stuff for one night. Um, but since then, just kind of realizing that had freedom to go camping without a car um, really just kind of sucked me in. I, I grew up camping. I grew up in the outdoors. Um, so realizing that I could get back there without a car was a really huge thing for me. You know, I mean, going from a mile or two, going from a couple miles to like 30-ish on a loaded bike, that's a lot. It was. <laughs> How, um, tell me more about that. <laughs> Well, um, on my very first camping trip, we had a sag wagon. So we had a truck that was with us. And about five miles in, the group that I was with was like, Marley, put your stuff in the car. Like, you're miserable right now. Because I was on like an 80s mountain bike. Because um, my the bike that I rode all the time didn't have racks. Um, so I picked up this other one off of Craigslist. It was crappy. It didn't fit me very well. Um, but, you know, once I got the stuff off my bike, uh, it was a much more enjoyable trip, but it was still difficult. Um, but in, in those days, I was riding, this was three years ago now at this point, I was riding a ton more miles, so it didn't feel like that much. Um, and honestly, when you have all day to ride somewhere, 30 miles isn't that bad. Um, Ill-fitting bikes are like the hallmark of Craigslist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, what is up? Um, yeah. They're the hallmark of my life for a long time. Uh, I, you know, I look back at pictures when I started riding, and I'm five two. I'm short. I'm fat. Um, but I was riding like a forty eight, whatever it is, forty eight centimeter millimeter. I don't know a forty eight Centim- um, road yeah. bike centimeter. I know. Yeah. I know it's the cm after that. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> anyway, the point of the story is way too big for me. You know, I look at pictures and I'm like, how did I ever ride that thing? And so it was a long search to find a bike that fit me. Um, and even now when I'm like, oh, I would love a new bicycle. It's like, you know, you look through all the manufacturers and see who makes a tiny bike that will support my weight. Um, okay. Hmm. Hmm, certainly does. So it's, um, I think people are getting better about it, but it's still, it can be a challenge to find a a well-fitting bike. Um, I really love the post that you wrote, uh, biking while fat. I really love that. Um, Thank you. It's frankly the post that I wish, seriously, like if I had discovered that 10 years ago, it would have been like a game changer from that point on. Um, So thanks for doing that because I'm sure that like other folks are finding it and uh, and, uh, that's going to be helpful. Can you tell us a little bit about that and like tell us uh, about that, the article and a little bit about biking in a bigger body? Sure. Yeah. So um, for folks who are listening in and saying, uh, what are you talking about? Um, so I have a blog that I've written on intermittently for the past two or three years. Once I realized that I kind of have a unique experience on a bicycle, or at least a story that I 
haven't seen told or heard told. Um, so I realized that my experiences might be helpful to other people, whether that's about bike camping in Seattle or, you know, being a fat woman on a bike. Um, but it didn't really occur to me until a couple months ago when the post came out that it's okay to be candid and it's okay to, um, you know, talk about these struggles that I have specifically being a fat woman on a bike. And that was really inspired. Um, there's a, a couple of different people that I follow on social media. Um, there's a, a yoga, a yogi, that's what you call them. People do yoga. Uh, yeah, yes. Yes. Um, name, name Jasmine, um, Jasmine Stanley. And she's been really pivotal for me of like, Hey, it's okay to accept yourself for who you are and embrace it. And there's lots of us out there. Um, and there's just a couple other people. It sounds silly that I follow on Instagram that it, they're just really living their lives and embracing it. And I was like, fuck, oh, sorry. I mean, I can do that too. Yes, I don't know you can. To cuss. Okay. But like, Hey, I'm doing this too. I think other people could benefit from it because people would, you know, have friends who are larger people and they would say, Hey, my friend has a question. Can I connect you guys? You know, talking about bikes or tire sizes or camping or, Hey, how do you, how do you do this? Um, and I realized I have wisdom I can share. That's kind of how it came about. Um, yeah. How do you do this? I, I mean, it was really, you also got some, some great information in there on, um, you know, just like frame strength and, you know, wheels and uh, like, there's just really good quality information there. Um, uh, thanks. It, it, those are all mistakes that I've made. I had a, a lightweight aluminum road bike at one point and I can't even tell you how many spokes I broke. It was like a weekly thing. And finally a mechanic was like, Hey, let's talk about wheel strength. Um, also you have a road bike and you tell me you like gravel and trail riding and all these things like those don't really go together. Let's, let's talk about bike selection. Um, so I'm really thankful to that specific mechanic. There's just so much value there. Um, because these are not conversations. I think, I think the shops are changing, right there. We've got more, more women, um, on the, on the sales floor, more women, you know, at the workbench and everything. So shops are changing, but, um, so many opportunities, unfortunately, for for gals who like want to ride bikes to destroy them because they don't know and they're not getting that kind of guidance. Totally. Um, and, you know, what you see out there are skinny, muscular people riding these bicycles. I, the first time I ever saw a person who looked like me in an ad was actually for Lane Bryant. Um, they kind of do this like real women series for their active line. And there was this badass mount woman on a mountain bike. And I took a picture of it and I tweeted it um, to Lane Bryant. And they actually reached out and they were like, hey, we really appreciate that you appreciate this. And I was like, yes, like representation matters. So It, it absolutely does. Um, that's something that has always been really important to me. Um, because as someone who found biking in... Um, in a bigger body and also like I did use it as something to lose weight. We're going to talk about that a little bit in a sec, but like I didn't see, I didn't see these images, right? I didn't, I, what I saw were these like the Lycra clad, like super thin and that's awesome. More power to you, but it is, there's a huge perception gap there and um, oh, totally. representation matters, right? Like if you can't yeah. see yourself in that place. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I would love to weigh a hundred pounds less and like just be able to zoom up those Hills, like those, you know, skinny uh, Rafa wearing people like you make bike riding look easy, like, and great and beautiful. <laughs> and then I'm like a couple minutes behind them on the Hills. Um, but it, you know, we're, we're all out there. We're all riding our bikes and having a great time. So yeah, we're just like living our lives and you know what? The descent is a lot of fun too. So exactly. <laughs> I've never, I, um, oh my gosh. This is reminding me of when I went bike camping with Molly Futterman, who I had named Molly is this uh, tiny, she's small, but mighty. She's a little firecracker and she like fly up these climbs and then, and I'm like lumbering behind her slowly. And then out on the descent, be like, I would catch her on the descent. It was just kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, I've had that experience many times. Um, and I, I was actually talking about this today with somebody in the shop. They said, you know, how, how do you get comfortable with group rides if you know that you're going to be dropped? And I said, you know, I just set my expectations beforehand. And, you know, you have those honest conversations with whoever you're riding with is, hey, 
we're both out here, maybe for the same reason, maybe for different reasons, but you know, we'll meet back up every couple miles if I get that far behind you, but you ride your ride, I'll ride my ride. And it works out great for the most part. I mean, obviously there can be different situations if you're on like a social ride that's intended as a no drop, um, to find a pace that works for everybody. But you know, if I'm going camping with a friend, it's fine with me if we spread out. That's a really great question. How do you, you know, like, how do you go out on group rides not knowing or like if you're expecting to get dropped? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's also been interesting because, um, you know, I've led group rides or group campouts and I know that I'm going to be the slowest. Relatable. So relatable. So relatable. Yeah. It's one of those things where you tell people what to expect, where to meet up with you, you know, let's regroup here, but you don't have to wait for me. Like, um, I, I took a bunch of women out to the Dallas in Oregon on a ride last year. And some of them were some serious athletes. Um, you know, Molly sugar was there and she rides with ride with GPS and bikes with friends. And, um, a couple of people from adventure cycling came. Um, and it was like, you guys ride your bikes all the time. You're very, very fit. Like, let's all have a great day. Whatever that means to us. That's so awesome. Um, yeah. so, you, I think that, did you invite me on that ride? That was your Dell's was that so, your yeah. birthday ride? It was, Thank yeah. you for that invitation, by the way. You're welcome. I appreciate I really that. I something similar again this year. There's been so many women who have reached out to me. Um, sorry, I heard something at my door. Um, who have said, hey, when is Gals, the Dell's happening? Because it was written up a couple places. Um, so hopefully it'll be sometime in May. I don't know that we're going to the Dell's again. I love that ride. But I'd love to find somewhere else in Oregon. Um. Oregon's like my dream place to ride. There's so many scenic bikeways and cool things that sometime in May there will be a bike ride. <laughs> I can say that much. <laughs> that's that's awesome. I can't wait to know when because the calendar is already filling up, and I want to like I want to make sure that I know when that is. Totally. Because um, I need to make sure I have dog coverage because that was actually why I couldn't go with you last um, uh, last year for your birthday. It was yeah. like what am I going to do with this dog? It was just very like other people can figure it out, but you know, um, <laughs> side note, we're getting, we have a, a trailer. My, my friend Karen and I, uh, Karen found a perfectly good kiddo trailer, uh, yeah. for free. And so we're going to like hook it up for our dogs. She's got a tripod, Jack Russell, and I've got my little super mutt and we're going to go take the dogs bike camping. Should be oh, that's excellent. Super interesting. Um, yeah, um, I know Maddie Carlson has done that a couple of times. She's taken her little dog Pixie bike camping. So if you need tips, you can ask Maddie. On it. Yes. Maddie, expect a call. Um, <laughs> so I want to go, I want to go to the, the biking while fat article for just, for just a sec, because, um, kind of because there's a comment like for the comments are like the cesspool of the internet. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think like Facebook is pretty much all it's like, it's like 96% comments. So Facebook is terrible these days. Um, but so I try not to like go in there and, and dig around too much, but somebody said, and I just found this really interesting. Um, because then there is a kind of an attack for use of the word choose, but it was a, I think a genuine question, which is, you know, you say in that article, you know, we're, I'm not riding to lose weight. Full, mm-hmm. full stop. That's not yeah. what this is about. And then there was a question which was like, well, why doesn't she choose to do that? And a lot of people jumped on the word choose because it's a digital format and we like to really like pick each other apart. Totally. Um, but I, I just wondered, I wondered what you, what you thought about that. Cause it did seem, it did seem like it was an actual genuine question. Yeah. Um, if I could choose to lose weight by riding a bike, I probably would. Um, and I know that that works for some people and maybe it's because I'm going too slow or eating too much. I mean, there's a whole number of reasons why I don't know. I'm not losing weight while riding a bicycle. Um, but for me, riding a bike is about adventure. It's about fun. It's about freedom. Um, you know, being out on the road. Um, so, you know, if I follow my doctor's advice and lose weight, I will probably need to do something in addition to bicycling. Um, that's just the way that my body works. Um, and so for people who haven't experienced what it's like to be fat, um, 
you know, thinking that you have the choice to, oh, just choose to lose weight. Like, I'm going to choose to wake up at 7 a.m. tomorrow. Like, it doesn't work that way. And I really wish um, that it did. But there's all sorts of reasons why people are fat. You know, there's hormones. There's, how do you say it, hereditary stuff. Um, there's just all sorts of reasons. And um, for me, it's it's not really hey, I'm going to choose to ride a bike to lose weight. It's just yeah. not the way it works for me. If I, that makes sense. It makes total sense to me. I think, it, and I think it was almost like, I mean, because at that point, what you're, at that point, what we're doing in a way is punishing, you know? Yeah. And, and it comes from, I think perspective is everything. Um, you know, if that's the choice, you know, if this is the choice, if this is the choice that I want to make, like I want to go out there and, and totally hammer and like, First of all, people, I've said this before, we're not trying to lose weight on bike tours. It's dumb. We're eating. We're <laughs> eating while we're on the bike. So that's not what this is about, and don't get it twisted. Um, but, like, if you choose to make that, if a person chooses to make that part of their, like, a workout regimen, then that's what that person wants to do. But just because we're on a bike doesn't mean that it has to be something that we need to, like, work ourselves up in this way like yeah you're probably gonna work but yeah. you know like you're gonna do that you're gonna like feel your body but it's not exactly. it's not a um this is my goal you know I guess that's the difference right like yeah what's the point yeah that's totally where I'm coming from on this um and like somebody said you know wouldn't it be easier if you just lost some weight well sure of course those hills are going to be easier to climb up um but also I don't know. I really, I love food and I'm not saying that to like be funny to make a joke. Um, I've traveled all around the world and that's one of my favorite things to do is just eat things from different places. And I don't want to worry that like, Oh, I ate some ice cream. I need to go ride for 10 miles to take that off. Like thankfully I've always had strong self-confidence in who I am as a person and not necessarily what I look like. Um, so I'm really grateful for that. I remember, you know, in middle school and high school, um, other girls talking about how fat they were and it's like, I wish I could just shake them because I've, I've been fat my entire life, but it's just, we are who we are and there's so much more to us than what we look like. So true. And yeah. you look fucking rad by the way. So don't like, <laughs> like you look like a total fucking badass and, um, so inspiring. Like I was looking at, uh, Olivia rounds interview with you and I love, I love all your pictures. Like, it like it's it's so it is really inspiring and super refreshing and I kid you not when I say that like those are images that I wish I had seen 10 years ago thank you so much yeah like for Um, real I really am just living my life and I don't know um it's not all glamorous I mean but it's um yeah I mean it's social so you know I'm 31 you just have to at some point just embrace who you are and people are going to like you for who you are or they're not. And they're going to want you to change. Yeah. Like how long are you going to punish yourself for someone else's idea? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just thought it was really, I mean that it stood out to me for a lot of reasons. Um, but I just wanted to, wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's funny because for a long time I didn't read the comments. Um, so on my own blog, the comments were resoundingly positive. Um, but then it was picked up by uh, Ella Cycling Tips, which tends to cater to a more um, racing audience, um, people into fast bikes and, um, you know, following the, the, the professional scene. And, and so and following, um, honestly, like a lot of unhealthy intake. There's there is a lot of eating disorder in in racing. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, and so when the editor um, approached me and said, hey, I'd love to run this. Um, you know, she did some very minor editing to it. So if you read my blog versus the post up on Ella cycling tips, there's some very, very minor word choice, uh, or word differences, but for the most part, the message still gets across. So I was really nervous about putting myself out there to that audience, um, yeah. because it's not who I typically ride bikes with. Um, and I have an appreciation for what they do, but that's, it's not the kind of writing that I do. Um, and I'd say overall the feedback was really positive. A lot of people totally. said, Hey, thanks for featuring a real person. You know, this is great advice. I can send this to my friends. 
Um, and there was, you know, just a couple that were like, well, why don't you choose to lose weight? Or, um, you know, being fat is um, a health danger. And it's like, okay, yeah, we know that. We get told that every single doctor's visit. Like, like honestly, um, <laughs> I'm struggling slightly with this because I don't even want to, like, I, I'm trying not to, like, repeat too many things that I that are that are negative like i i try i don't i don't share negative memes like i that kind of thing but somebody said something about um like slapping food out of a person's hand and i and it like filled me with this rage that i couldn't describe like yeah the fuck do you think you are um you know what i mean like i swear to god Tr- like come at me bro like try i don't even like donuts fucking come and try and slap a donut out of my hand like and i do like donuts yeah. i just they're not that's not the cap i chose i chose the pizza cap not the donut cap <laughs> it's a true story. i mean i love pizza i love donuts i love ice cream but i also moderation is the key to everything and Word. i think that's to be said for food it's to be said for riding a bicycle if your entire life is consumed by riding bikes might not be healthy. I mean, for some, that was my life for a long time. And I realized I didn't have any friends who didn't ride bikes. So it's like, okay, moderation, seriously, in everything. Yeah, moderation is really key. Um, yeah, so I, w- I also want to know, there, there are so many things that I want to ask you about. Um, let's hear it. Let's hear it. So how, how did your bike camping, this is a total like pivot. How did your bike camping packing change? You said when you went out on that first ride, like you brought so much stuff and it was so heavy. Um, you've been, I don't have the list in front of me, but you've done so <laughs> many rides now in three years uh, or four or five years. Like you've done so much stuff. Uh, how has your packing changed? Describe that a little bit for me. So on my very first trip, I think I brought, it was for an overnighter in May and the weather was great. It was like 80 degrees. I took three pairs of socks, four pairs of underwear, you know, just in case. Um, I just brought so much extra clothes and extra food, even though we had multiple grocery stops along the way. Um, I'm trying to remember. I think I I took an extra canister of fuel just in case I ran out, um, which I'm not saying it's not a good idea to do, but on an overnight? Yeah, on an like, overnight. If you don't get coffee in the morning, that's not the end of the world, um, even though I really love coffee outside in the mornings. Um, so I've really just become much more um, picky about what I take. Um, I'll take one shirt for three days because you're going to smell bad anyway. Uh, I, you know, try and repurpose my clothes as pillows instead of taking a specific pillow. Um, but at the same time, I don't want to claim to be like a weight weenie by any means. Like, um, my, usually when I go bike camping or bike packing, things are heavy and I pack too much. Like (laughs) that's just the way it goes. Um, because I don't like being hungry. Uh, I like to take a lot of food, a lot of snacks, um, but I've gotten better about what I eat when I'm touring. Too, I, I don't even know what to call it. When I'm riding my bike and sleeping outside, because I don't know if it's touring or camping or packing or whatever you want to call it. So, Tell me about bike snacks. What are your favorite bike snacks? Oh, man. Um, these little energy balls that I got introduced to by Anna Brones. She's, uh, she actually wrote a book um, about camp food, essentially. Yes, uh, I should know the name of it because I, I can. Is it? The, it's not. Is it the Culinary Cyclist? Is it that one? Yes. Or is it? Bike? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, she's written a couple other ones too. Um, she just wrote one with Brendan Leonard. Um, they collaborated on it, so there's some really good recipes in there. Um, and I'll see if I can find that one. But so they have these little energy balls. They're oats, um, peanut butter, honey, chocolate chips, chia seeds, flax seeds. Um, so it's a, it's a good mix of sugars and carbohydrates and a little bit of protein. Um, I love having those. I, <laughs> I like pickles cause I like salty things. Uh, I learned a lesson last year though, that, uh, pickle juice soaks through or like seeps through the block bags. So um, <laughs> that's a key. That's a tip. Yeah. My bike bag smelled like pickle juice for a while. It was entertaining. Uh, I really enjoy anything like eat one handed while I ride. I, still haven't mastered riding without my hands <laughs> same which <laughs> really silly i could do it when i was a kid but i can't do it now um i like beef jerky um, yeah 
peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And then when I get to camp, I really love cooking a hot meal. Um, my go-to last summer was uh, pad thai. So you prep the sauce and stuff at home. It's like peanut butter and soy sauce and some sugar. Prep that sauce at home. You get to camp, you boil some rice noodles, chop up some veggies, um, and then you've got a nice little meal. Um, also, like, cheese and salami are really good choices for me on the bike. Um, yeah, I, I try and eat real food when I'm on the bike for sustained energy. Um, I am super curious about this pad thai, your bike camping pad thai. That's what yeah. I you just you grab would, whatever veg you get at the local grocery store? Typically, yeah. So or or I'll take it with me. If it's just a one nighter, I'll take a shallot, garlic, and some green onions. You just chop that up and you put it in there with it. Um, I've added broccoli before and I found that it just filled my pot up too much. Um, and sometimes I'll get like pre fried tofu to put in there too. Um, I eat meat but I'm wary about eating meat when I'm camping because one thing about bike camping is you don't take any sort of like refrigerating ability, um, which blows people's mind. Like, where do you put the beer? Like, you take it. It's just a little warm. Uh. <laughs> so back on the packing, like, what do you think is the most frivolous thing that you bring bike camping? Mm. Or do you have a frivolous thing even? Um, I don't know that I do. Um, I don't think I have a frivolous thing. I'm sure other people might uh, disagree. Um, but I, when I sleep, I like to sleep comfortably. So my, my camping pad is like an insulated four-inch inflating pad. It, it packs up pretty small. But that sucker is warm and cozy. Um, and what kind, what kind is that, by the way? Because that is a key tip. Yeah, it's a... Oh, my gosh. I should know this. It's a ba- it's, I think it's a big Agnes. Um, if that's incorrect, I'll let you know. Cool. Um, but it's an insulated sleeping pad. Um, and that was really key for me because um, I tend to camp in the shoulder season. So spring, summer, and fall. And being up here in the Pacific Northwest, um, you know, it can get down into the 40s at night. So that just really gives you the extra buffer. Oh, I know what my frivolous thing is. I take two sleeping pads. Um, so I take- That's impressive. <laughs> I was just <laughs> impressed by your super sleeping pad. Now you, br- you have two of them. Yeah, um, and so this is mainly when I know it's going to be cold out. Um, so I also have a folding Z-pad um, with a really lightweight one that's silver on one side and yellow on the other. Um, and I really, really love that thing because, you know, if you go to a campsite and there's not a table, you can just put it on the ground and not worry about popping it. Uh, you can also put it under your sleeping pad for just even more insulation. Um, and it's also really great when you're, like, rolling things up in the morning. Your knees don't have to be on the ground. Oh, so that's my frivolous item. <laughs> I always see those hanging off of bikes. Are they water resistant? I think so. That's cool. Um, yeah. I've always been curious about that. I'm like, they must be if they're just like out there with no bag, but. Yeah, I think they've got like a, some sort of a coating on them. Cause I know that like through hikers use them cause they're super lightweight right. and they just have them outside of their pack. Um, and they're basically indestructible. Um, are the sleeping pad combos, you think also like your most underrated piece of gear? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Cause you know, you go camping with people and they're like, Oh, how'd you sleep? I slept great. How'd you sleep? Oh man. I was tossing and turning all night. Uh, nope. So, you know, after I'm on a bike for a day, I like to be cozy. Um, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about your first night bike camping? You wrote about it in your interview with Olivia. Um, about like your, your first night bike camping, your first night camping oh, when alone. I was, when I was by myself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So a couple, a couple summers ago over Labor Day weekend, I decided to go on a solo tour around Puget Sound. Um, and so I had mapped out like this three day trip, exactly what campgrounds I was going to stay in. I was like uber prepared. Um, but my first night I went, I biked out to Kitsap Memorial, which is like an 18 mile ride from Seattle. And I had left on a Friday, taken the ferry and then gone and it's a state campground, but they have these really nice hiker-biker sites. Um, but I was, like, scared shitless. I feel like I heard everything. I don't think I slept more than a couple hours just because I felt really vulnerable out there by myself. And then when I woke up in the morning, another cyclist had arrived. Um, and there was, like, a wedding party that was um, doing rehearsals. There was a wedding that afternoon in the state 
campground. Um, so when I woke up, I felt a little ridiculous that I had been so scared. Like, oh, yep, everything's fine. Um, but I think it's also really smart to trust your intuition when you're out there by yourself. You know, something doesn't feel right. If somebody's being creepy, um, you know, either find the camp, the, ho- the camp host or just go somewhere you feel safe. So, yeah, there's a fine line between like pushing through um and being brave and not listening to your intuition totally Um, yeah very fine line Uh, yeah similar i guess similar stories so the next summer i guess it was last summer i was gonna go for another three-day trip by myself the first day i got chased by a dog i almost got hit by a truck and i turned around i was like my heart is not in this like i i don't want to be out here and so i didn't even stay the night i just i had ridden like probably 15 miles and i was just like i'm done and everybody's like why are you back and I was like well it just it felt like a failure but now I'm glad I I, I did turn around so. yeah like it didn't feel right yeah yeah exactly um I think that's I think it's key I think listening to yourself is key yeah sometimes I think you know it's like this or as women we get this bravery complex or this like shiro like you you people are depending on you to like be this model and this influence like no sometimes I fuck up too or I I'm just a person. I make mistakes. Like I'm no expert on anything. For real. Um, yeah. Just riding your ride and living our experiences exactly. and sharing our stories. Um, totally. You know, my first night bike camping alone, I don't think I really slept. I probably slept like a half an hour because I was very scared. I talked. Yeah. I talked about that in a um, an episode of a, a show with with Tim with Pedal Shift, his 100 show with the guys from sprocket podcast too so i'm gonna link that up because i don't want to i'm not going to tell that story now but i definitely tell like my type b or my type a uh what is it no it's called type b fun right type two fun what the fucking hell yeah so we'll link that up what's funny is the second day of that trip i think poisoning and (laughs) ended up like almost shitting my pants on the side of a road going up to somebody's house knocking on the door and was like I'm really sorry to do this but can I use your bathroom so I don't poop in your front yard and, <laughs> and they were like the nicest people in the world and they were like oh yeah like come on in do you need water do you need Pepto so I took Pepto Bismol from strangers I pooped in a stranger's house somewhere along highway 101 thank you to these people if you happen to be listening it was literally <laughs> middle of nowhere so then when I got to camp that night my stomach was still like in knots so I had brought dinner and I ended up going to bed without dinner I woke up in the morning and like the night before another cyclist had shown up so I talked to this guy and he had been hiking the PCP like fractured his foot so then he decided oh I'm just gonna bike the rest of the way um and so he was an interesting fellow and he was on his way to Canada so yeah wow yeah it was a it was an interesting trip (laughs) um what's your experience on the bike taught you about yourself um i'm a much more patient person than i thought i was uh when you decide to travel by bicycle and you get it through your head that it's gonna take me many many hours to go what would take me 20 minutes to go in a car 30 minutes to go in a car um you know you learn what your limit of boredom is (laughs) um and i i learned that being by myself i really enjoy um, I think before riding a bike, I didn't ever spend any time alone. So, yeah. And and now you feel like, so how, tell me more about spending time alone now. You feel like that's, you, you're doing that oh, yeah. now, Is that and that's different. Yeah, I love it. Um, you know, just realizing that it's okay to, like, be in your own head and think about things and reflect on things. and um, Or just listen to podcasts by yourself. I listen to a lot of podcasts while I'm riding bikes. Um, so... Yeah, I think it really just taught me that life isn't all about doing things super quickly. It's okay to have a process and to take time and um, be patient with things. I think that's a really that's a really great point. Um, and because also the best laid plans, right? Like things are going to go wrong, and totally. If you're too rigidly attached to a an outcome or a particular expectation could be uncomfortable for you oh 100 percent um you know i've had a number of trips where i've you know gotten 
halfway there and I blew out a tire or a friend had a mechanical issue or, you know, X, Y, Z went wrong. So it's like, okay, we are hitchhiking back and turning around, uh, uh, which I'm sorry, mom, if you're listening to this, yes, I've hitchhiked um, and everything turned out fine. Um, I really choose to believe in the good in humanity. And sure, there's shitheads out there who will do awful things. But I think for the most part, at least in my um, like experience, I've uh, everybody's been good to me. What a blessing. Yeah. Um, I hear that that's what the bike touring kind of shows you. I have not gone. I've only been out for like two days. I haven't been out on anything longer than that. Um, but I hear, and I'm like totally entranced by going across the country and experiencing that, especially as we're, especially as we're in this moment, this like particular political moment, um, where we're so, so incredibly polarized on everything. It's like, it's, it's crazy. And so I've been flirting with this idea. Um, it's not this year, but I've been flirting with this idea of, you know, how would that feel to go across the country and like experience that experience these people when like we see each other for real and like you're totally, you know, like we're flesh in front of each other. It's okay. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. I think people are much more human and open to each other when, um, you do have those experiences. I, I ride the train fairly often. Um, so like, you know, I went out to Montana last summer on a bike trip and I took the train out there and I think you get a similar experience there because, um, they have these dining cars where uh, they sit you next to whoever you happen to be by. Uh, and you just get in these conversations. And these people often you have nothing in common with. But, you know, you, you find something or you, you, you share a meal together. And it's just all my experiences like that have been wonderful. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I've, I had an experience like that once on, a, on a, the Crescent Line from uh, New Orleans to Philly. And it was just, okay. that was really great. Yeah. Um, tell me about Stoked Spoke. Tell me about the Stoked Spoke series and like what you're, how you got involved and and what you're doing there. So Stoked Spoke is a um, adventure telling series or storytelling series. It's put on by Swift Industries. Um, for those who aren't familiar, Swift Industries is a um, bicycle bag maker. Um, they also way into camping and travel by bicycle. Um, so they're really good ambassadors for getting people out on bikes. Um, so I think this is the fourth or fifth year they've done it. Um, it was actually my third year speaking at it, um, awesome. which feels a little silly and self-indulgent. Um, when I emailed Jason and Martina, the owners of Stoked, or excuse me, Swift, I said, hey, if there's somebody else who wants to tell their story, put them on. Like, people have heard from me. And they're like, no, no, we, we want to hear your story. Um, so this year I presented on... Um, my trip to Whitefish, Montana, uh, with a couple people from Oregon, a couple, excuse me, a couple people from Montana. And we went on this, um, it was like a three day, 105 mile gravel ride. Really, really cool. Um, and just telling the story about how that happened, sharing photos. And I really love doing it. Just getting other people excited for it, sharing routes. Um, I think it shows that it bike touring or camping, packing, whatever you want to call it can be accessible to all sorts of people. You know, if you see me up there telling the story of how I rode 105 miles in Montana through Glacier on these back roads, you're like, oh, if she can do it, I can do it. Um, and I think that's really kind of a leveling factor, which is what I love about it. Um, what, what have you learned from that? People want to hear your story. They want to be inspired by you. And they are looking to you for validation. Like, um, you know, I get all sorts of questions from women, especially after I present every year of how did you get into this? Tell me more about it. Um, people are genuinely excited to hear other people's adventures because it's fun. It's so much fun. Yeah. Um, Bubba's hollering away back here. So I'm sorry about that. Um, okay. <laughs> what's the most surprising question that you've gotten from, from someone at Stoked Spoke? Or, or any, I guess anywhere, really. Like, is there, do you have something that stands out to you? That's a good question. Um, yeah, no, I think it would be the guy online of why don't you choose to lose weight? Hmm. Um, and I, I feel like I live my life in such a way, you know, if 
you look at my Instagram feed, um, you see pictures of me eating. I'm not ashamed about it. Um, you see me just living my life. And um, <laughs> actually, I put up a, a funny post the other day. We had a game night. And I see all these things on Instagram that's like, hashtag fitspo, hashtag clean eating, which I just think is such bullshit. Like, I don't know. I'm really struggling with this right now um, because there's just so much talk about, you know, what you look like and what you eat and it becomes equated with your self-worth. Um, so anyway, back to the story. I uh, <laughs> We had a game night the other night and um, I put up a picture of like Totino's pizza rolls <laughs> and Oreos and a beer because that's what happened to me on the table, like right in front of me. And I hashtagged it with those things. I hashtagged it <laughs> eating hashtag fuck your bullshit and i got like 80 likes from a bunch of people who were like coach slimmed down and um just all these people who are very clearly in the fitness community it's like you have no idea what i'm all about like this is totally a sarcastic post but yeah and that's kind of how that comment felt was just like did you read the article um have you read anything else i've put out like this is i don't know yeah a lot of the other questions are just, hey, how do I get into this? How do I, um, you know, how do you pack stuff on your bicycle? Things like that. On the bike camping tip, have you gotten a question that has been like, that has really surprised you? Mm. No, I wouldn't say so. Yeah. Um, I think because I'm coming at it from, um, well, until today I didn't work in the bike industry. I think I... Um, I tend to come at it from a, I didn't know anything when I first started. So even like a, how, how do you carry your stuff? Like with a backpack, like that's not a surprising question to me because I had the same question when I first started. Yeah. I think a lot of us have. So I think it's a really good exercise to remember for all of us that have been in biking for a long time. We were all new at one point and we all had those questions about, you know, whether it's, you know, what to inflate your tires to or what do I need to carry with me or, you know, how do you eat when you're out there? I think that was my first thing that I was confused about, um, was what kind of food do you take? Like, how does it even work? Um, cause I had only ever gone car camping with a giant Coleman stove. Yeah, so what? I had no idea about these tiny little stoves or anything like that because that was just not what I was exposed to. Um, but I don't, yeah, I don't think it was surprising necessarily. Um, yeah, I was just curious if anything stood out to you about that, you know, um, cause you never so. really, cause you never really know. Sometimes we have such, we have such questions. Sometimes. Totally. Um, and there's a lot that like, I think a lot of questions we don't ask. There are lots of questions I haven't asked, um, like about scared of bears when people, I don't go, I haven't been bike packing. Right. So I've. Yeah. I've only done a couple different rides. And so there's, there's things like that. So it's not, it's definitely not coming from a, from a place of poking fun. It's just like, I don't know. Would I have thought, to ask, the, would I have thought to ask the bear question? Would someone have already offered it to me? I'm not sure. Totally. So um, last summer when I went out to Montana, one of the women who lives in Montana and was leading the ride said, Hey, everybody make sure you have rope to tie up your bear bags. And this was like in a Facebook thread and I wrote on there like, okay, maybe a dumb question, but what are you talking about? And they were like, oh, okay, we need to like, this girl lives in Washington. There are no bears in Seattle. Um, so I think just being willing to say, hey, I don't know how this works. Mm. Um, tell me about it. And so, you know, one of them was like, oh, you know, you get a rope that's long enough and then <laughs> you throw it over a tree. And I still don't really know what I'm doing. And actually when I was in Montana, I lost my bear spray we were riding through Glacier and I had it like in my little feed bag and somewhere along the way it popped out. So at the end of night two in Montana, I realized I don't have bear spray anymore, <laughs> which is normally fine. But as the slowest person in the group, there are often times when I was by myself and I didn't have bear spray, which it worked out fine. Sorry, I'm searching in my fridge for another beer. Um. Perfect. <laughs> yes. Um yeah, I'm, we're taking a taking a note from from the guys at the uh, at the Sprocket podcast. We're having beverages. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Like the the bear thing is actually 
I don't know. That's the biggest thing because I'm never really sure of like where I need to be scared of what animals and like really? I tend to like really I this is overkill. I actually hang up my food because um, I don't want critters to eat my stuff. Um, so nope. I just like do that. That's really smart. I one time I was up at Mount Rainier. Um, there's a road that has been washed out. So we biked up there and then we did some hiking. And I forgot that I had something in my feed bag. I don't know what it was, some sort of food. And I woke up in the morning and something had chewed through my feed bag, which that's one of my favorite pieces of equipment on my back. But I still feel like an idiot. Like, oh, yeah, of course you need to take your cliff bar or whatever out because we had hung everything else up. But. Uh, Ah, the wild. So are are you familiar with Lael Wilcox? Yes. Um, so she's like one of my heroes. I absolutely adore everything that she does, especially because she's so honest and, um, real about everything, but she has this, um, scholarship that she, it's like called the Lael's thousand mile Alaska ride or something. I forget exactly, but it's like design a 1000 mile route in Alaska and go ride it. And I really, really want to this summer, especially now that I'm not tied down to a corporate job. Oh my gosh. But Alaska scares the shit out of me. <laughs> I went backpacking up there a couple of years ago and it was beautiful, but a thousand miles by yourself, like that sounds intense, but it might be just the challenge I need. Oh my gosh. So yeah. Lael, if you're listening, let's talk. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so awesome. I've, um, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I've seen this challenge, uh, you know, this thing that she's posted, um, and it's really interesting. It's not something that is in my, it's not in my vernacular right now in my life. Um, yeah. It's so cool though. Have you, um, have you heard her on the path less pedaled? Did- I have. Yeah. That yeah. was good. Super good. Yeah. Um, I really love what Laura doing and, you know, just bringing out those voices that you see on Instagram, but to actually hear them talk is phenomenal. Yeah. Moving. Yeah. It's so yeah. good. Um, so what, what do you think you're, you've been on a, on a bunch of rides over the past couple of years. What are some of your favorite, um, stretches of road? What are some of your favorite rides and your favorite stretches of road that you've been on? Yeah, I would have to say the Dalles. Um, so there's this traditional gravel ride in Oregon called the Dalles Mountain 60. And it's out in the middle of the state. If anybody played the Oregon Trail, um, it's along where the Oregon Trail was at, you know, got across at the Dells, um, and 60 miles. I've heard 30% of it is gravel. Um, I think it's more than that, <laughs> but it's just these beautiful, um, rural farm roads that you'll see one car all day. Um, gravel is my favorite thing to ride. Um, a lot of people hate it. I love it. And it's just really serene out there. So that's probably my, my absolute favorite place to ride. Um, also <laughs> I really like riding in Portland. It feels very safe to me. Um, for a city. Um, so every time I go down there, I enjoy riding. Uh, and then there's another road on the Kitsap Peninsula on the way from the Bainbridge Ferry to Hood Canal. It's called, um, oh my gosh, something Valley Road. Now I can't think of it. Oh, Big Valley Road. Big Valley Road. And it is phenomenal. If anybody ever rides on Hood Canal or Kitsap Peninsula area, check out Big Valley. It keeps you off the highway and on this really idyllic farm road. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, I think what's my favorite is those, um, you know, farm roads or gravel roads that aren't used very often. Um, I had a friend get hit by a car two summers ago, or a summer and a half ago, and she recovered, um, but it's still, I I think about her every time I'm out on the road, which is really what's led me to more gravel and more off-road stuff, because cars scare me. Mm. They're not looking for us, so... Um, and that's, is that like one of the, what you find most appealing about gravel? Totally. Um, yes, there's, there's no cars, (laughs) but also you can just get to really cool places. There's this whole network of forest service roads that, you know, maybe people know about, maybe they don't, but there's often water, there's often unregulated camping. Um, so it's just a really cool place to explore. Awesome. And this might be specific to the Pacific Northwest. I have no idea if in Alabama they have forest roads or Missouri. I, this is my experience, so I don't know. 
Yeah, there's a spot like they're not they don't exist back east, for example. Yeah. Yeah, it's something with um the BLS and the Forest Bureau stuff. Okay. I'm not saying the right things here. But there are but I, I don't know what that is off the top of my head. Um but those you know, all of those lands, those federal lands, they don't exist back east. And I was like so wild camping, like the idea of wild camping is so basic and yet like the concept of it was still very foreign because i was like oh you could do that and that's okay it's not you're not on someone's land you're just allowed to do this yeah it's it's really refreshing um when i was up in alaska there's so many places like that it's like almost every um you know mile on the road it's like oh camping here camping there forest service roads you can just you can basically camp anywhere which is really nice um, you wrote this really great post with a bunch of beginner, or not beginner, but bike camping within uh, the Seattle area, like reachable within a day of Seattle. Yeah. Um, we're going to link that up for sure, because it's great. These are all places I haven't I haven't been bike camping up there, so they're all new to me. Um, what would you suggest? Come up, we'll go. Sweet, um, awesome. Yeah, what, <laughs> what would you suggest for, uh, you know, someone who is a, a noob and they kind of want to go on their first, they're in Seattle and they want to go on their first uh, bike camping trip. What's, yeah, what's your so favorite? My, my favorite is Manchester State Park. Um, it is an eight mile ride from the West Seattle Ferry. Um, so however you get over to West Seattle, you can ride through downtown, which adds, I don't know, maybe 12 miles, but it's all flat. Um, but once you get on the ferry and get across, it's eight miles. It's um, not very hilly, which around here is rare to find <laughs> and they're really low traffic roads um with wide shoulders so i'd feel comfortable taking a new a new person out there uh, the other great thing is you pass through this tiny little town that has um a pizza place and a bar so if you don't want to take food you could totally go there for dinner wake up in the morning and eat on the ferry um so it's really really accessible so then again manchester state park um there's another one that's really popular called Bay bainbridge on Bainbridge Island. I don't like that one quite as much. Um, the ride is nice, but the camping feels like you're camping in a parking lot. Um, so, I mean, everybody's got their preference, but I, I like Manchester a lot. That sounds awesome. Marley, does your, um, does your bike give you a superpower? Um, you surprised me with this question. I know. Um, Sorry. <laughs> well, man, I, I always feel like I'm such a badass when I'm riding on it and I see people stuck in traffic. Um, so <laughs> it kind of gives me a superiority complex. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah, it always does feel really nice to like be moving while people are stuck in traffic next to you. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So some badassery. A little bit of badassery. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I got just a couple more questions for you. Sure. Um, if, if you could ride your bike, if you can go for a bike ride with anybody anywhere in the world, anybody living or dead anywhere in the world, who would you go on a bike ride with, where, and why? I would love to ride with Obama. Like, he... It's just so cliche, but just... He's so well-reasoned which i totally took for granted when he was president and now i'm just like oh. <laughs> um i think like he would just uh, be really lovely to talk to and really meet you where you're at um in terms of pace or what you need um so i think i'd really love to chat with obama where would you go i don't know anywhere anywhere he wants to ride <laughs> um where would you want to take him um i would love to take him out to like mount rainier i think he was such a champion of the outdoors and for sustainability and that was my previous profession i worked in sustainability before i quit corporate america two weeks ago <laughs> um so really just take him out there and you know say thank you um thank you for being such a great role model such a good example um he was so influential in my life. I, you know, I remember partying in the streets in 2008 and 2012 when he got elected. And right now, it's hard to remember that optimism. Heard it. Heard that. Um, what, yeah. a, what a great choice. That's a great one. Um, 
what are your plans for the year? What are you looking forward to? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question because everything is up in the air right now. And, um, um, and if you want to, what else is like on your bike it list? What else do you like? Where else do you want to go in general? Sure. Not this year. Uh, yeah. So I mean, you caught me at a really interesting time. I quit my corporate job of nine years three weeks ago. I started a new job. I quit yesterday because it was a really toxic environment. Ooh. And then I started at a bike shop today. Um, so who knows where this year is going to take The world me. is your oyster. The world is my oyster. And I've never really felt that way. You know, I've always been like, okay, I have three weeks of vacation. I'm going to do three days here, one day there, two days there. And now it's like, oh, if I save my money, who knows? So I would love for Alaska to be on the, on the list this year. Um, somewhere in Oregon, like we talked about, I would really love to do the painted Hills. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't really know. Uh, I need to do more research because I would love to ride from, you know, Canada to Mexico, um, along the Pacific coast highway, but I don't want to ride on a highway. Mm. So if there's a gravel alternative, I'll do it. But would you, would you ever consider doing the divide, doing the great divide? Maybe. Um, I, I might. You know, I, I wrote a section of it when I was in Montana, and it's challenging. Oh, it's yeah. It's really, really, really hard. Um, it does, it Mon- looks like great film. It that looks like very challenging bicycling. Yeah. My friend Monica did it this summer, um, and she is a badass lady. She did it by herself, and her trip just looked phenomenal. Um, and she's not a mountain biker. I mean, she is now. She did the Great Divide mountain bike route. Um, but by trade, she's not a mountain biker. So she was really inspiring to me. So yeah, I've considered it, but I haven't seriously put any thought into it yet. That's so um, fun. I'm, I'm honestly like really intrigued by the idea of hiking. So I would love to hike the PCT, I think. Mm. So. Um, I'm really, it's, it, it is intriguing. Hiking is intriguing. I like my bike to carry my stuff though. I do too. That's my thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do. It's, I don't know. There's just so many fun places to explore. Totally. And we're really lucky to live in this part of the world, but also to have the, uh, you know, the free time to be able to do it. You know, you hear people in other countries working all the time or having babies against their will, all sorts of stuff. So I, I just try and keep that in perspective too. It, you know, it really is. Um, and they say first world problems and it's like so true, right? Totally. Yeah. Perspective is again, perspective is everything. Um, Marley, I really like appreciate your time and, um, I would have loved to have gotten to hang out with you this weekend, but I'm stoked that you got this new gig and, um, we're definitely going to do something together soon. So, um, that's going to be fun. Parting. I'd like some parting words of wisdom from you, my friend, um, for folks who are heavier or living in a bigger body and who feel called to try on biking, what would you say? Yeah, I would say find a bike that works for you, Um, whatever that means to you. You know, if you're going to ride just roads and maybe trails occasionally, be honest with the bike shop about that. If they try and put you on a mountain bike, say, no, this isn't what I want. Um, Keep trying and trying until you find the right thing. Um, And you don't owe anybody anything. You know, if an e-bike is what works for you, get on an e-bike. Just, yeah, you really don't owe anybody anything anything because it's your bike ride it's your adventure it's your commute it's your whatever it is and just do it your way there's no right way to ride a bike unless just don't fall over which we all do that too so it's fine (laughs) i think that's a great place to leave it yeah me too awesome um marley where can folks find you where can they follow you and um and keep tabs on what you're doing yeah, so my blog is Life on Two Wheels. Uh, it's lifeontwowheels.space or just Google Life on Two Wheels. Uh, I'm on I'm pretty active on Twitter and Instagram, Marley Blonsky. Um, and yeah, I think I think Instagram is the best view into my life. Twitter, you might get some political commentary, which is fine. But yeah. Yeah, word. Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks so much. We will talk with you soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Kat. Big thanks to Marley for hanging out with us and also for her bike camping invitations. I'm totally going to take her up on that.
Make sure you follow her on the Instagram and say hi at Stoked Spoke. Also, friends, if you enjoyed the show, please, I would love it if you'd leave a rating or a review in iTunes or wherever you listen. As always, friends, I appreciate your time and your attention. Remember, life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage. Keep moving forward. And until next time, I hope you enjoy the ride. Let's see. Hold on. Hold on. Come back. Bring it back. Hashtag fuck your bullshit.